You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Drink it in. Drink it in. Drink it in. Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? It is the show after the draft. I mean, the draft is my favorite event of the year. There's a huge lead-up. We are here after talking Detroit Lions football. I mean, we got a packed show. We're going to talk about some of the picks. Uh, We might have a couple teasers for you. We're going to get into Grifka and my favorite draft pick, our worst pick. We're going to tell you who's going to be the sleeper of this draft class. We're going to talk running back value and strategy. I mean, I want to get Grifka's thoughts on the Lions' defense, their plan, their approach, all the different things we got going. Should be a fun show, but the draft will be our focus. It's ended. We're moving forward now, but we got to introduce the man of the show, the guy that brings in all of our audience, the guy that the people love on Twitter, at GrifkaDKC. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? (laughs) Hey, man, just uh, happy to be back talking about the Lions' draft picks right here. That was a pretty exciting weekend i thought the nfl did a nice job of uh of putting that draft on and getting it uh, televised the way they did yeah i thought it was all right i mean you were a fan of good old raj uh sitting there for about five picks in his suit coat and then he was in his his cordigan sweater vest and then he was in his uh lounging in his chair like it was a saturday night uh, with a whiskey and then he was in a fruit of a looms tea on whatever it was saturday i mean i thought it was it was odd i mean i'm still uh hold on let me uh let me see if i've got a little music for my next comment <laughs> i think i think that's not Raj's house grifka i mean if this guy makes 40 <laughs> mil and he's got that crappy of a man cave basement with two 32 inch tvs and one 40 incher in the middle i mean we got issues uh i think he rented somebody's old victorian household and said hey can i use this for a couple days i gotta look like a human being what do you think yeah i definitely thought it was maybe a setup at the uh was at the NFL headquarters like here make this room look like my basement and they put like a helmet in there like oh this is my poker table it's like man you don't play poker you know that you, you don't play poker in your basement so it's just uh yeah I kind of got the same feeling right there it's just like yeah that's 
it, you know, could be, you know, so much better, you know, for the man who runs like the most popular sport in the world. <laughs> or <laughs> and, second most. And not make it look like, like my basement. Look, make me look like the common man. Make me look relatable, even though I'm a complete, uh, you know, jabron across the board. Uh, make me a human here for a couple days. So, anyway, that's yeah, my... Yeah, like going to whoop out a, you know, bush light and crack it and drink it while he's announcing somebody's name, <laughs> the draft pick or something. Right. I thought that was funny. I thought him mispronouncing names was funny. I thought uh, all the other weird gimmicks they did just got in the way. Here's my issue. I know we got a million things to talk about, but so the draft coverage this year, they didn't have any of the hoopla of being out in Vegas and people in suits and walking up and hugging the commission. Like, I thought this year was the worst quality of like trade info or like somebody would get picked and it would literally be 45 minutes before they get to that selection it'd be like an hour later and they'd be like we'd be on pick 66 uh, 67 they'd be like so at pick 35 the detroit lions it's like (laughs) why are we on like a two-hour delay i mean i thought that was crazy like i say every trade they would never announce details of anything you would never get every blue moon adam schefter would wake up and give you some type of details it was like well why is it so hard like the minute a trade is is done we need to know the details and who moved up and for what not like an hour later from adam schefter and his uh, you know, make believe office as well. It's a craziness to me. Yeah, I also like because they had you know so many, uh, I guess, you know, college players. You know, like a camera in their home. So after like they were picked, you know, it's like it was obviously on the delay. So it looks like after they're after they're picked, like they're just like sitting there, like they're not even happy. Right. And then it's like they're almost like a director comes, like, okay, you just got picked. No, everybody jump up and down and look like you know it's a great thing. It's right. Like the funniest thing at first, just like yeah, so and so was picked by this team, and they show like the family and they're just like sitting there, and you know like, oh okay, I'm picked. And then like they go to a commercial, or they go to like who's ever doing the telecast on ABC or ESPN, and then they come back and they show it again, and like the family's jumping up and down and partying, and it's just like. Yeah, okay. Timing delays, uh, big issues across the board. And and like uh, to that point, what about what about CD Lamb snagging his phone from his boo? That was that was a tremendous moment. She tried to, like, grab his celly for a second. He snatched that up like it was a third down pass. It was unbelievable. And then (laughs) and then what about what about Mama, whoever, who was like always yelling at people like I saw a couple times where like you're only supposed to have six people or less at the house and like the minute they found out it was a pick like 40 people coming out the back room and mama being like, get back, get back. Like, <laughs> it was just, <laughs> it was just so many odd things going on across the board with this draft. Well, and like I, people that, trying I to like how they kept the showing, like, Jerry Jones. And at one point I was like texting Chuck and I'm like, why do they keep touching Jerry Jones? <laughs> They're like, he's checking for a pulse. It's just, <laughs> he's just like sitting there. Yeah. It's like, Hey, Jerry, you, Jerry, you okay? You okay there? <laughs> Here's my issue with Jared Jones. Like, don't you think it's a it's a horrible decision to to on a virtual draft go virtually draft out on a yacht in, in what seemed to be like the lower bowel area? Like, I mean, I'm no I know he's probably got the hook up there, but it's like if any place is going to go out of signal, it's probably in the bowels of your boat in the middle of the whatever body of water he was at. Like, I thought that was an odd choice. Other than the flex move of saying I'm Jared Jones and I got a two hundred fifty million dollar yacht, watch me watch me draft from wherever the hell I want. Yeah, that was <laughs> it was just a kind of kind of funny though. He's just yeah. like sitting there and everybody keeps walking over and like touching his leg and touching his shoulder. It's just like 
you know, like trying to show the general public that he's actually alive. It's not like a weekend at Bernie's episode. Right. Right. Well, they they did some great picks. So he, him and his crew was definitely alive. Let's let's get down to Lions. Griff. We had a little fun there and I'm sure other people had some great takes. You can hit us up on Twitter with those funny things that you saw at the draft that we didn't talk about off the top. So you can get at Grifka at Grifka DKC or send them to me at Derek Oakry, D-E-R-E-K-O-K-R-I-E. Grifka, before we get into our topics for the day, I just want to remind the people a little bit of a crossover promotion here. Um, You made your debut on Believe, that's spelled B-L-E-A-V, in Lions, my other podcast that drops on Monday mornings. Uh, We did a Sunday roundtable where we got uh, Logan Lamarandier, yourself, and Paul from Tampa all on to uh, let me fire questions at you guys about each pick you gave your opinions we had a couple debates we had some really good content there so people want to check that out i urge you to do so i thought that was a great show good good content there but uh we'll we'll get into the picks today as well uh give a little bit more general and if you want the details you can definitely go back and listen to believe in lions so grifka i'm gonna run them down here and then i want your takes your hot takes on a couple of these players so at three overall lions took jeff okuda cornerback Ohio State uh, 35 they went with DeAndre Swift running back from Georgia at 67 in the third round they took Julian Oquara Romeo Oquara's brother from Notre Dame he's a linebacker slash rush end 75 they went with Jonah Jackson out of Ohio State interior guard they double dipped that at 121 with Logan Stenberg the real nasty guard from Kentucky I'm looking here, he's 23 years old, which is surprising. So is your, this next pick that everybody is uh, getting on board with, gaining some steam. 166 overall, Quintez Cephas, one of uh, Grifka's all-name team, uh, name players, I guarantee it, in this 2020 draft. He's the wide receiver from Wisconsin. 172, they went with Jason Huntley, the running back out of New Mexico. And we've got the last two picks, 197, John Panasini, Defensive tackle, nose tackle out of Utah, and then finished up at 235 with Jason, Jason Cornell out of Ohio State, a defensive tackle with more rush ability. I mean, I'll give my thoughts on it, but pick out a couple guys and kind of say what you liked, what you didn't uh, for the people. Well, I mean, I'm just going to start with their first round pick, Jeff Okuda. I mean, it was obviously the biggest need on the team. Best cornerback. I know a lot of people don't like taking cornerbacks that high. They don't think they're game changers. And uh, I mean, Jeff Okuda's not Deion Sanders, but he's he's a, he's a he's a really good cornerback. I mean, he had was like no pass interference in college. You know, he plays good tight man coverage. And he did in the Big Ten. It's the biggest need. I, I I was very happy with that pick. I know a lot of people wanted you know go to the, you know defensive tackle, defensive end, something like that. Since even with um. Was it uh, what's his name? Chase Young being gone, they were still looking for like another defensive end, or even um, Simmons. You know, I once again still would have preferred Simmons, but I was happy with the Okuda pick. Really like that one. Um, another pick I, I liked was um, Jonah Jackson. I mean, I know we've debated this on prior shows, and they've had so many guards in camp, and they even signed a couple. But still, Jonah Jackson. He's um, I think he's uh, going to be good at you know for the run game. He, he's not. A mall are going to be pushing guys into the third level, but he's going to do enough to create space, and he's pretty decent pass blocker, so they'll need that as well. Um, Jason Huntley, to be honest with you, that was a head scratcher. Um, you know, never heard of the guy. I know it's like he you know, went to learn later. He went to New Mexico State. The guy's pretty fast, but 
And um, I know you talked about this on the Believe, you know, podcast. How you know he's, you know, they showed all these highlights of him just running around guys, and they played in a pretty weak league. But New Mexico State, they're a pretty bad football team. So uh, I don't know where they got these highlights of this guy because New Mexico State had maybe like what one or two wins last year. They're generally a pretty bad team. So even if it was the only guy on the field, they still didn't beat anybody. So and I know bad football teams can have good players. So uh, he, I, I know he's fast, and maybe he's a kicker like that, but. I don't know if he's going to, you know, break the uh, break the rotation of, of the backfield. Um, those were my biggest three. I mean, a couple of the last two guys was a Penasini, Cornell. You know, don't know too much about Penasini because Leaky Fotu is the main guy out there in Utah. A lot of defensive tackle. Everybody talking about a defensive tackle. And then Cornell, I thought he just pretty much underperformed his whole time at Ohio State. I just remember he was a big time recruit, and it just seemed like he never really did anything. He never really panned out for how he got recruited nationally in Ohio State's like Ohio State produces a lot of good talent and with him just kind of being totally like you know unseen unmentioned that's just kind of like I think it's just a big school pick right there is, is what that pick was all right so you, you hit on quite a few there I mean I'll take some of the other ones like I thought it was a a bold move, an exciting move at 35 to take DeAndre Swift. He's 21 years old out of Georgia. We're going to talk about him in a bit later as I really got a, you know, some stats, some some figures, some interesting things about about the whole running back position and how people are attacking it and how people talk about it nowadays. But I, but it was between him and Epineza for me. I had a couple other names in there, defensive tackles or defensive players that I had considered. You know, uh, but when they read that card off, I was really excited because I feel like he's a tremendous fit for what they currently have. I think he adds longevity in that running back room. He gives us some some one-two punch. He gives us uh, ability to go into pretty much every Sunday, knowing that we're either going to have him carry on or both, as well as some depth and some guys that can still develop. So that is exciting for me. I, I I get it that people would love to wait two, three rounds later and get, you know, a, a good player, but you weren't going to get Swift type quality. And I thought the value was there. He was BPA at the time, made it really good. I mean, same thing with Julian O'Quara. I feel like everybody forgot about him based on his injury and the fact that he's there at 67 overall. He fits a position the Detroit Lions need. His brother's on the team. That's going to help with the uh, acclimation process. I, I know I heard Bob Quinn. He had a great interview on 97.1 this morning and got into trades and lots of detail. But when they asked him about Julian O'Quarra, he said, you know, basically from the time they took Swift, they were keeping him at mind but didn't think there was any chance he'd be there at 67 when he was. It was pretty easy selection, he said. The, the two guards I'm looking here right now are both 23 years old, which worries me. You know, anytime you're you're up there in age to some degree, it sort of cuts down. But, you know, at that position, you can play a bit longer. So it's not a huge concern. Stenberg, to me, is a guy that's got a lot of pubs since they drafted him based on his mentality. But I think that, you know, you got to sort of take a wait-and-see approach. I think they did get a pretty good trade down with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, if you go ahead and look at it, they were picking three. They dropped all the way down to 15, picked up those extra selections that they had given up to go get uh, Jonah Jackson. So I thought that was pretty good business when you break it down. And it seems like they got a player they really like. The best-case scenario would be both those guys come in and start. Now, you know I'm the positive one on the show, Griffco, but here's a couple issues I had. So they go ahead and take Quintus Cephas, a guy that me and the Big Hughes had 
joked about uh, offline before the draft saying, what a crazy name, you know, uh, is this a guy, you know, he's saying he's his favorite receiver just based on name quality I was saying like I actually watched a few games and like every time I heard about the Cephas kid he was like jumping over people and making plays but I felt there were better options on the board now as the draft is concluded you get all this pub about like how good he is and how he's going to do all this stuff from the slot and they just disregard his, his speed and whatnot like I'm really curious to see. I mean, that would be great if he can be a, a plug-in player, you know, once some of our current receivers move on. But I, I got my hesitations. Jason Huntley, I think, is still that pick that there's no way that was value, in my opinion. I don't care what the YouTube shows on him. Like, he's really going to have to blow us out of the water to not only earn a roster spot, but to justify being picked there in the fifth round. I mean... We will see uh, what what he can bring to the table, but I got lots of questions, and I've seen people on Twitter just going nuts, like this guy's going to just revolutionize the team, and he's going to play all these positions and just be a, a game changer, house caller. I'm like, uh, no, uh, I don't think so. Uh, and and then the last couple picks, I mean, again, people trying to get on board with those, they're going Oakry style, trying to sell it to them, and I'm looking at it going like. You read Penasini and you hear some good reviews and some, you know, he's a backup nose tackle. I mean, uh, people, you can't make him out to be a ton more than that. And same with uh, Cornell. It's kind of like, hey, you know, I mean, if you bring some to the table, great. But I don't see too many 235 picks overall that are just blowing things up. So we'll see what happens. I, I do think it was a good draft just based on those, you know, first, let's say first five picks in general. And, and again, I'm, I'm willing to jump on board with the Cephas pick, but some of these, you know, people just going crazy after the fact. And it's kind of like, I just don't see it in a couple of these based on who was there and, you know, who I consider was just a better player at the time. Yeah, I have to, you know, I'm going to agree with you on what a lot, what you said. So I'm just going to leave it out there and not try to piggyback on your answer. <laughs> Perfect, man. We've come a long way on this show. Griffke. You just, you just agree. Let me hit the bell. We keep it moving. Uh, let's let's do this before we hit our break so we've named them off we've given our takes you know people want to hear the whole back and forth go listen to believe in lions um you can find that on any podcast platform please uh, for the detroit kool-aid cast you know we we continue to grow every show that we do we uh, had have had a lot of fun when you guys will reach out on twitter and and say a gimmick line or ask us about football or say how much you like listening to the show that's great stuff so keep that up everybody but uh, be, before we hit our break and then get into our topics after Griffco, what was your favorite pick out of the ones we talked about? Out of the ones we talked about, gosh, I, I, it's almost like to say like the first round pick would be like the, almost like the two easiest one to take. It's like, yeah, I think it's the easiest one. But I, I am. That's going to be my favorite pick right there. I mean, that was uh, they didn't overthink it. I know everybody would have liked to trade down. I mean, there's probably you probably still could have got them. A couple spots if you were able to trade down, but according to Bob Quinn, nobody made a real solid offer, or like real serious offer. So they didn't overthink it. They, they took the guy that uh, they needed the most. And I still think three, you know, that's a very, I don't think that's a very big reach. I mean, a lot of people, like I said, don't like it, but you know, I'm very happy with that pick. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a Grifka answer. Like the, the the top three pick, how could you really mess it up? To be honest, you know, you you had your heart set on this guy from months ago, so it's it's very easy just to roll out of bed, turn in the card, lazy boy scouting, one on one. I mean, 
I, I came around on Jeff Okuda just saying, like, when you look at the roster, it seemed like he made the most sense. Now, I'm not a guy that loves to just draft based on let's plug a hole right this second. But, you know, like I say, the Lions are trying to win right now. And they haven't drafted a dang corner high. And I don't even know how long, probably since I've been a Lions fan, to be honest. Uh, I can't even remember when they've taken one in the first round. That was before my day. So it was about dang time. And uh, I think you'll see the results of that because – a lot of these people that want to wait and take these late round flyers on people like you, you need holes plugged or you need premier, premier players at premier positions. You might want to take them high in the draft because those usually work out quite a bit better. So I think we got our, ourselves a corner for a long time. He's only going to get better and better. So, you know, I, I like the player, not not necessarily your take because it's the easy way. I mean, if you're talking about my favorite pick, um, you know, to to kind of come off where where you're at with that. I mean, again, the easy route for me would be to say, DeAndre Swift, oh, baby. But I won't do that. I already did that on other shows. You can actually go listen to a show on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast feed where I was live, Grifka. I was live on the mic while you were probably sleeping or out at a function. I was talking about options. I was talking about DeAndre Swift. I was talking about uh, all types of options. And when they read off the card, I went crazy. But... I won't do that again. What I, my favorite pick, to be honest, now looking at it after the fact, oh, I'm I'm torn a little bit between Okwara and and Jonah Jackson. I almost want to go with Jonah Jackson because I feel like he's a plug and play left guard. I feel like he's a pass protector. I feel like he's a little bit nasty in regards to talking junk, being able to get people fired up, and being able to maybe put our O-line, take it from like where we thought it was really falling off to being able to move it right back up the charts as being an above average to possibly, you know, decently better than good offensive line. So I really like what that kid brings to the table. Um, but there's a lot of intriguing picks here that'll be interesting. Uh, what's your what's your worst pick, Grifka? I know this is usually your favorite where you can rag on somebody or, or go negative or say why the Lions uh, aren't good. And then when the player balls out, you can say, see, I told you so. I knew he'd be good. Who's, who's, your, who's your worst pick right now or a pick you didn't like? Logan Stenberg. That's your boy. What do you mean? You yeah. love this guy. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 great. You know, uh, yeah, I, we've heard enough of other guys. Oh, this guy's got a mean streak. He's nasty. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's a mauler. He's this. He's that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, okay, I got it. It's like he, he's a mean guy and whatever. He took a lot of penalties at Kentucky, and Kentucky was an okay football team down there in the SEC. And you know, he's he's a mauler. He's this, but he. he doesn't pass block very well. I think he sets too high. I think he's going to allow him to get pushed around at Kentucky. Their quarterbacks are more of a running quarterback. So it wasn't that pure pocket pass or game. And let's face it. Matt Stafford's not going to be the guy running the quarterback draw. I know he ran it a couple times last year to our surprise, but that's not going to happen all that often. So, uh, Logan Stenberg pick considering they just took a guard to pick before that was my least favorite pick. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is usually Grifka's gimmick, but I'll do it. Hey, everybody out there, you need to go back in the archives of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast and pull up the Grifka 45 minute podcast on strictly interior offensive linemen, where I know, remember he strictly talked about Logan Stenberg. I, I'd be curious if you had that similar take in your, in your pod as you do now, because I don't know about other people, but I fell asleep after the first five minutes minutes of that show when you're talking about interior linemen and trying to go into detail like uh, you're reading off somebody's uh, scouting card but I'm curious because you brought up that name I remember the next show I beat you up I was like Logan Stenberg I mean he's way down the uh 
the guard list or the overall prospect. I'm not taking him in whatever it was, the fourth, fifth round. Here he does go in the fourth round, and and you hate it. That shocks me. But like I said, maybe you did beat him up in the show. I can't remember. But interesting. Well, I, mean, I thought that had been one of your favorites. It, and I know at one point he was kind of targeted as a fourth rounder, and I just remember it's just like, yeah, a fourth round, I guess it'd be okay. But I thought he was more of a fifth round guy. So, but that's just me. Like I said, I think he sets up a little too high, and it seems like there's points where the Lions want to. I know they want to become the running team, you know, like run the ball a lot. But there's there's times where he's just pass blocking ability is just not that great. Thing, and uh, that's where, uh, and I just don't think he's very good at it. So, and he just it's one of those things where he just never really had to do it in college. And and you know, if you're just gonna draft a guy based on he's his, his first thought is he's nasty. Yeah, okay, you know. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see what happens. I think the Lions actually think that's one of their best picks based on his mentality where they got him and then, and, and, you know, by taking two guards, I feel like they think they can almost plug in both guys or plug in one and let the other guy compete and then actually have, like I say, that, that really beefed up O-line where a lot of us were thinking it was in shambles. Now it could be could be really solid if Hal Vitae plays well. These two guys come in and either win both jobs or compete, and then you got uh, Ragnow and Decker in there. Could be, could be a big help for our overall team. I mean, if I got to say worst pick, I already ragged on Jason Huntley quite a bit. I mean, that's obviously my, my worst pick based on a lot of reasons. I mean, the other one that makes me shake my head is the, is the Cephas pick. Now, I'm not going to call that – it's hard for me to call that my worst pick because – the more I hear and read and see all these reports, you know, even Gil Brandt, I think it was, says this guy was so high on his list and he was this and he was that and he's going to be a great player. Griff could get this. This is usually your gimmick too. Gil Brandt compared Quintez Cephas to Michael Irvin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> baby. <laughs> he literally said that with a straight face. I don't know how Gil Brandt is on Twitter, but he it's not one of those fake accounts like you uh, bring on the show with your rumor and innuendos. His real account, you can go find that. He said he's got uh, Michael Irvin qualities, and I thought that was craziness. But then the more you hear about him, you're like, maybe this guy is going to be like our number two moving forward. So. I don't know. We'll see. But like I say, worst pick. I mean, it's between Cephas and Huntley. It just depends sort of how they play. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be Huntley at the end of the day when he's probably cut before the year. And then we wasted a fifth rounder on the speed guy out of nowhere. And it's just like, yeah, we'll see. See what he can bring. Real quick, Grifka, I know we've been going a little bit long on these. Uh, how about a sleeper pick? One of these picks that uh, is a little off the radar or not the top couple that you think might overperform. You'd be like, man. What a great pick in the next couple of years when you look back at it. Cord. Okay. So, um, yeah, the pick I think is going to perform better than where he's at is the one we just talked about and we laughed about. And that was Quinta Cephas. And Okuda, Damon Arnett, they said he was probably the toughest wide receiver to face in the Big Ten. I think he's going to play a little more of the slot. I don't think he's an outside guy. So uh, Danny Amadola, you know, can take him under his wing, show him how to, you know, play the position, what they'll really look for in the pros. And um, with the slot, you don't necessarily need to be the fastest guy because we all saw from the CFS 40 time, he's got like, what, a 4.7, which, you know, isn't fast at all. But we've also seen, you know, slot wide receivers not be the quickest guys, you know, you know, have, you know, be, be good, be good players in the NFL. So uh, I'll go with Quintus CFS. All right. I, I hope so. I mean, I know this is a fan take, but I know I know 
we're deep into football, but I know for most Lions fans out there, it would really be fun if the running back and the wideout would really, you know, play really well, give people something to hang their hat on as far as a, a good pop Bob Quinn draft, something they can easily see and those guys can perform and be excited about. I mean, when you're talking about a, a surprise type player um, or somebody that might be a, a sleeper for me, I mean, this is going to be kind of nerdy, but I just think the John Penasini pick, based on some of the things I've read, uh, Utah being such a good defense, him being what seems to be a really good scheme fit, even if he is just that backup nose tackle, I think that that could be a player that could surprise people, especially because I think it was on Twitter where he said he's going to be the most, uh, the player in the draft that most people slept on, you know, the most people forgot about that most people will be surprised about. So if I'm going to pick my sleeper pick and he says he's the most slept on player, I got to go with John Penasini, defensive tackle, Utah, hoping that he can bring some to table. And like, again, you've heard me say it on the show. There's something about having Shelton, uh, Danny Shelton and a guy like this in the middle, just their, their backgrounds, their, their body build, their nastiness, their ability to kind of plug and, and pressure people. I think it really be something we're looking for. And we still need some of that pass rush either there on the outside, but um, that, that'd be my sleeper. Grifka, we talked about a lot. We've had some laughs here in the beginning. I think we could take a break, as you often say, a pause for the cause and uh, come on back and uh, people hang with us. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about two main topics. I, I want to throw some stats and some numbers and some dollars and cents at Grifka in regards to running backs. And then we also want to talk about the Lions D a little bit before we get up out of here. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, we are back from the break. We really appreciate you listening to our sponsors. We appreciate you hitting that subscribe button. We appreciate you getting to us on Twitter. Again, bug Grifka all day long. He's at Grifka DKC. I know he loves it when I send him pictures of Baker Mayfield or when I get after him about some gimmick that he does on the show or I, I nag him like I do on the show and he takes it personally and then yells at me on Twitter. Please do that all day, every day to him. And then as you guys do, um, like my stuff, you know, send me fun football questions, interact with me on Twitter. We'll have a few laughs. Um, I just, I, the Twitter game to me is like, I get very few negative people, very few people that frustrate me. It's just a fun space to talk football and to be a Lions fan and to, uh, give them this content. I think people really like our show, Grifka. So that's been fun. Uh, Grifka, I want to talk some running backs. Uh, I want to get into it about uh, this whole idea that the running back is, is devalued. You can't take one high. I know pro football focus as well as some other publications really kind of 
knocked us on this DeAndre Swift pick because they're just dead set. I mean, your boy, the guy that that you are, are most closely related to when it comes to scouting, Mel Kuyper Jr., I mean, this guy says he would never, ever, ever take a running back in the first round, no matter what. doesn't matter if they're in the Hall of Fame. doesn't matter if he knew ahead of time what they would do. He would never do it. I'm here to disprove that today. So, Grifka, before I kick it to you, if you had to guess, you know, Give me the top three running backs uh, names and then what you think their average salaries are in general. I want to see where you're at with this. Oh, the top three running backs? Like, gosh. Just right off the top of my head. Just a player and and however however many million per. This isn't hard. Come on. Couple names, couple couple contract numbers for 2020. What do these guys make? Oh, I thought you wanted me to like name like who are the top paid running backs now, like who I think, yeah, you know, what they get and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. I want to know the um, top three, but you know who they are, and then just give me some general value. If you don't know the contracts, I'll tell you if you're wrong. Okay, well, I mean Zeke Elliott is probably number one. I know he gets paid. You got just fat cash down in Dallas probably signed the contract on Jarrah's yacht, or at least one of them. Um, he's probably making what, like, gosh, uh, I don't even know what, man, 18 mil a year, something like that? Uh, let's see, that's be one of them. Uh, another one, um, let's see. This isn't yeah. a quiz, Griffith. Do you no, want me to just give Gurley, you the totals? Paid back too, I know you I like being the intellectual on the show. What's that? I said, I know you like being the intellectual on the show. This isn't a big quiz. Like, if you want me to just give you the totals, I can. But Zeke Elliott's number two, which you've named off. He's an average salary of 15 mil. Uh, Todd Gurley is not in the uh, top echelon. He's all the way down at about 10 right now. and makes an average of, of only five over, over his new – well, that's his new contract. You obviously know he got cut and sent to Atlanta, so he's way down now. Yeah. You want me to give you the other top two so we can keep this moving? Or do you want to take another guess? Yes, please. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, Grifka, if you'd watch uh, NFL Network every once in a while, he just got crazy contract and got paid. He's making over $16 million a year for the next basically five seasons. And then Lev Bell is up there. He, for the next couple seasons, makes around 13 So you got you got 16 you got 15 you got 13 You've got David Johnson at 13, and then there's a drop-off down to 10, down to 8. You know, it works its way down from there. So this is my point. This is the way I want to bring it up. So, like, the top guy, and these guys are all, like, second contract type guys or whatever, are, are making that crazy money. As you work your way down, like... Like yeah, you're gonna you're gonna find the bargains, you know the the Austin Eckler that makes six, you know Kareem Hunt makes three. Uh, let me just see who else I got here. You know Mark Ingram is an older running back who's done good, he makes about five. You know and then you start working your way down to the young guys. Rashad Penny, you know makes less than three. Uh, hasn't really done anything. I'm trying to find another good name here. Um, Dalvin Cook at these days. Derrick Henry, you know, is up at 10. Anyway, the, the point is, uh, Saquon Barkley is, uh, you know, makes just under eight. So this is my point. So these guys make this big, you know, either second contract or if you take them really high in the draft, they make crazy money. If you take them later, they don't make anything. But if you take them, I don't know, in the second round at number 35 overall, I've got the numbers here. Um, DeAndre Swift 
makes, uh, you know, at 35, he's on a four-year contract. A total value, Grifka, a total value of that four-year deal is less than nine million bucks. He, he gets a signing bonus of under four million bucks. And his cap hit in 2020, do you want to take a guess? It's, it's not that much because it's that, <laughs> that early deal. $1.5 million. So all these penny pinchers out there, all these people that act like, oh, the running back, you can't pay the running back. You can't draft them in the first or second round because of their shelf life. Like, do those numbers right there just totally disprove it, Grifka? Because DeAndre Swift is definitely going to be here for four plus years. He's definitely going to produce. And and he's going to make, if we take four years divided by uh by around eight, I mean, <laughs> I'm no math whiz, but what's that? Two million bucks on, on average. I mean, I'm sure once he gets in the later part of the deal, he makes around, you know, uh, three, four, maybe at his peak. I don't have all the breakdown in front of me, but I mean, tell me that's not exactly what you'd want to pay a dynamic running back like DeAndre Swift. So I don't think I got to do much more than that than give the crazy numbers that people are paying the top, top guys and give numbers like that that I think we could expect from DeAndre Swift, even if he's a, a part-time player, and say, hey, hey, Lions fans, would you pay a talent like DeAndre Swift 2 to $4 million for the next four years to have him as part of your football team and to actually be able to run the football? I'm pretty sure we're going to get a big percentage that say yes, and I'm on board with that as well. What, do you, what say you, Grifsky? Yeah, I I don't know why it seems like the running back position has become, it seems like the most disposable position in football. I mean, when I was a kid, everybody wanted, you were looking for the big running back. And, and even now it seems like teams are like, oh, we need to establish a running game. We got to do this. We want to have a good running game. And when we have the lead late in the game, we want to have that four minute offense so we can hold the ball. But then you're right. Nobody wants to like invest any money in them you know everybody thinks that's the offensive line and they're more than willing to take like oh we can just find some guy in the fifth round because you know denver did that for a while it seemed like they just had the plug-in running back you know when terrell davis got hurt they had mike anderson run the ball and some other guy i can't remember his name was there for like one year and he did really well it's like okay well look at denver does it well denver had a had a great offensive line too and you just can't just plug and play with any running back so if you're able to get you know, a stud running back like that, you know, I, I can't see why you don't do that. Now I'm not looking for like that. Oh, this guy's, you know, five, nine and, uh, you know, 150 pounds, but he's so dynamic in college. And, you know, that's not a first round guy, but, you know, Swift is big enough and what he did, he played in the SEC and he took a few hits, but, you know, he's, he's a little, you know, quick guy. I mean, so yeah, I'm fine with the pick right there. I just don't understand how it seems like everybody's like, well, you can get good value later. And you're right. Maybe if you're looking to just, you know, churn that guy out, use him up, chew him up, and get rid of him in two years, fine. I guess if that's the running game you want, but that's not going to be sustainable, you know, over the long haul. Grifka, you're the guy on this show that always says, oh, you know, they, they got to cut a couple offensive linemen. What's it, a couple million bucks? Big freaking deal, right? And then you know what that does to me. I mean, it does this. That drives me freaking bonkers. <laughs> um, so... Like, we're literally talking about if DeAndre Swift was a bust or if he couldn't play or he got hurt, it's a couple million dollars. Now, I always tell you that every little bit matters in the NFL, which I think it does, but I don't know why people act like this is some big financial commitment or it's a, it's a bad thing because he might not play, you know, two decades in the league. I mean, 
yeah, I get it that you could get an offensive tackle at pick 35 and he might have a 10 year career and, and he'd be at that same type of money. But, um, you know, I just think when people really look at the dollars and cents, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's not an expensive commitment. You definitely can't go out and get this type of talent, you know, in the free agent market at that price. And like, I'm looking at Jeff Okuda's number. Okay. He took him at three. So his cap hits at 6 million to start, but over the life of his four years with a fifth year option, uh, out there as well four years it's only gonna be 21 million dollars so you know again you're just looking at uh looking at these fixed contracts at people that you know are well gonna outplay that like guarantee by year two three heading into year four jeff okuda is going to be one of those corners that's going to be you know frustrated that he's not making 17 20 at 22 at that point whatever the the going rate for a corner is so i think people got to put it in those buckets and realize that hey if you're just applauding the panthers for paying christian mccaffrey 16 million dollars over a five-year span yeah i'm sure they can get out of that after three or four years but that's 16 million and we're going to have a new running back in detroit that's going to make two you know, and it's going to be younger. He's going to have a similar type skill set. I know he's not Christian McCaffrey, but he's he's definitely not a run it up the middle in a cloud of dust type of player. So I think it's, you know, the, the financial commitment's not bad. I think that the production upside is big. I feel like even if his shelf life is shorter in the short term, it's it's still worth the, the investment. Yeah, if you want to roll the dice and think you can get a running back at 172 and just pay him 600k a year, you know, congratulations, go try. But I guarantee you, I'm gonna put Swift up against him, and it's gonna it's gonna be ridiculous. So Grifka, this is this is me versus that guy that thinks he can just uh, find a running back later. This is that guy when I am right now promoting the Andre Swift pick. What the hell are you doing? And, and and this is me having to listen to him on Twitter all day say, oh, I could just, I'll wait till the fifth round and I'll get another running back. That's what everybody does in the NFL. I mean, that absolutely does this. That drives me freaking bonkers. <laughs> and then Grifka, I'm looking at these numbers. I'm looking at DeAndre Swift's talent. I'm looking at the, what the Lions need when it comes to actually being able to run the football for the first time in 20 years. And I think that pick at 35 was simply this. It's like, duh. It's like, duh. It's like, duh. I mean, turn it in. DeAndre Swift, pay him two, three, four million dollars a year over the life of the contract. Give him the football 15 times a game. Throw it to him. Let him pass protect. Let him run. I love it. So, um, you know, it sounds like we're on the same page. You've sort of been a supporter of of taking that running back and putting that to bed. Now you see the numbers, which I, I know always blow your mind because you you don't spend a bunch of time on the uh, the financials of the league. And it's like. Yeah, it's it's really important to to know what these guys make and, and know what kind of commitments you're making. Yeah, there's other options you could do, but you can't act like these are big swings and misses. Oh, he took a running back in the second round. How dare you? Okay, he's either going to be really good and outperform his contract, or we're going to be out, uh, you know, eight million dollars over a four year span. I mean, I, I think we're going to be okay. That's why that's why rookies and that's why the draft is so amazing. Grifka, are you on board with me? Do yeah, you agree? that's why I would take that chance as well, especially with. Uh where the Lions running game is at right now. And it's not like, you know, it was a total reach for Swift and people are like, gosh, what are you doing taking him there? I mean, that guy was a first round talent, mid first round talent. And it's like I said, it just seems running backs, just a disposable, you know, spot right now. And like, nobody wants to take it. So it's like, well, we we'd rather bump a guy up who may be, you know, mid center, second rounder into the first round because we don't want to take a running back. And when we will get that defensive tackle or something, it's like, give me a break. <laughs> So basically, you agree. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grifka, let's talk about one more thing, and then we'll get up out of here for this Wednesday edition of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast uh, after the draft. Grifka, this is your big, you know, pet peeve thing you hold your hat on. You've you've deemed the Lions defense horrible. You've talked that Matt Patricia is a terrible football coach. You hate the team, even though you're on a Lions podcast. We we get all that. But like when it comes to the twenty twenty Lions defense, I mean, I want to spend a couple minutes talking about what they've done, sort of some of the players they brought in, but more so like their plan and their approach. I mean, it seems pretty simple, uh, pretty clear that the Lions want to cover when it comes to their corners and their safeties. They want to be able to run fit and pound you with with linebackers. You know, they invested in in veteran and patriot types when it comes to knowing the scheme, being able to you know, rush off the edge or maybe cover a little bit with Jamie Collins. And then you've got the front guys. You've got some beef now, I'd say, in the middle with uh, Penasini and Shelton. You've got Nick Williams, who, like, is a somewhat of a wild card. On the edge, you've got Trey Flowers, Okwara, but you still seem to be missing a couple cogs there. You know, when it comes to this approach of pretty much avoiding edge players, not, not going out and making a big trade, not, not – you know, having these penetrating defensive tackles like Jim Schwartz loved to have. Where are you at with this plan and approach when it comes to the Detroit Lions? In 2020, let's not hear you whine and moan and complain about 2019 and, and disregard all the injury issues they had. Um, it looks like it's it's going to be set up as another bend-don't-break defense. And um, those defenses tend to drive me drive me bonkers if you want to hit them, <laughs> but they really do because it just seems that times Chris when could, your do, team do a live. To stop. Sorry, it's hard to jump in. Yeah, I couldn't get to the button. G- give us a live version of it. Drives me freaking bonkers. <laughs> and Ben don't break defenses. Drive me freaking bonkers. <laughs> um, they, they just do. You got to do the live every once in a while. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where. It's like where people complain about that prevent defense at the end of a half, at the end of the game, you know, prevents you from winning. And I understand what the bend don't break does. I mean, it just it's it's not allowing you know quick scores, you know, you know, but you know, getting you know behind your defense. I understand all that, and then you bow your back, you know, when you get on your your half the your half the field. But it just seems like that's what this defense is going to be set up for again, and um, they're not going to look to you know run a whole lot of blitzes. You know, the pressure, any any of that's going to come from the front four, maybe a blitz every once in a while. But that just it doesn't seem like that's what this defense is set up for. You know, that bringing, you know, jailbreak blitz and, you know, just kind of let, you know, hopefully your defensive backs make the plays. You, you're going to get a sack here and there. Your linebackers are able to cover the running backs, tight ends. But uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be a high-pressure defense. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, again, like I normally do on the show, I kind of disagree with you. I feel like, you know, last year they they tried that because they didn't have their healthy bodies up front. Uh, You know, I'm much more of a proponent of people have totally forgot about Sean Hand, Austin Bryant. You know, you're looking at some of these uh, other linebackers that have come in or will be coming into their own, you know, Jelani Tavai, Jamie Collins. and now Julian Okwara, I feel like you're going to see a lot more ability to pressure as well as, you know, their, their coverage unit is just a lot better. I mean, you know, I haven't heard a ton of people talk about uh, Harmon there on the back end. I know I bring him up all, all the 
time I can, not only because of the player, but, um, you know, him being excited to be here, him being that type of safety that we have not, um, that we have not had. And, you know, I always feel like your two, three is kind of where you're going to see that big jump from drafted type players that, you know, have talent, but maybe haven't played up to their expectations. So I, I don't see why AO, I mean, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't ball out. I don't know why, um, you know, Tracy and company wouldn't come around. So I feel like their focus will be on coverage, but I also think that they're going to be able to not only rush, but, you know, cover underneath a lot better. Like we didn't have that coverage linebacker. We didn't have some of these athletes that we can move around and, and do some things. So I just think overall the defense, when I really look at the roster, I know, I think Logan Lamer and Deer put out, you know, here's the Lions defense. And I was just going down the list and it wasn't a bunch of Pro Bowl type, you know, NFL poster guys, but it was like, um, you know, the names and the ability and the, the, the scheme fits and the attitudes seem to look really good, you know, in my uh, humble opinion, as well as, uh, I don't know, Grifka, it's kind of a young, hungry team. I don't know, you might call them some, uh, those be some dogs, Grifka. I think we got some dogs on defense, and I think that uh, everybody's going to see that when we're able to put some pe- pressure packages, but also just cover better, like just put guys out on the islands and not be able to get roasted and toasted like your boy, the windsock, Mike Ford, or, you know, some of these other guys we're throwing out there in this uh, corner. You're just going to roll out true font, um, you know, uh, Okuda and Coleman, and then you're going to have better linebacker core as a whole. And then you're going to have this, this back end that kind of comes into their own from the safety position. I think it's shaping up, nicely to be a surprising defense uh you know i think their approach will change based on health and based on ability to you know this will be the third year in this whole build that they've been doing so don't be surprised if you see austin bryant with his hand in the ground coming after people off the edge don't be surprised if uh if okwara gets those third down reps like you talked about recently that he might be that third down rusher we haven't had and, you know, maybe Johnny Javai just takes a hold of that middle linebacker and is a really steady presence in there, too. So I'm excited about the defense. I feel like the plan and approach has been a two, three year in the making, as well as, you know, how the NFL comes down to injuries. So got to stay healthy and got to got to get it together. But I think they're a much improved unit on paper. There are some wild cards with a few older type players on the front line and the linebackers. If those guys play average or above average, like think it could be really dynamic so i'm excited about not only the approach but the the plan and i think that uh you know we can we can do a little bit of this when we're talking about the defense instead of that negative crap you gave us last year drink it in <laughs> grifka you got anything else for the people uh nope Oh, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, Detroit Lions fans, we are through the draft. We tried to give you some some re- review of what happened. We also wanted to uh, have a little fun and uh, dive into the whole running back debate as well as talk about the defense, give some of our favorite picks, some, some kind of quick takes on, on, on some of these players, most of the players we got into today that we talked about. We'll, we'll come back Friday. I know Grifka's going to have a whole bunch of questions, a whole bunch of things. He'll probably get me all stirred up. I'm sure we'll talk about maybe some remaining holes on this team that we need to fill and, and other things like that, kind of post-draft. I know Grifka thinks we only get to do one draft show, and then he doesn't know what we're going to talk about for the next six months. I mean, we got plenty to talk about despite this crazy world we're in. So we'll do that on Friday and every week, twice a week right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Don't forget to check out that Believe, B-L-E-A-V, in Lions podcast. 
Lions fans, you know there's not a ton to do right now. You might as well just hit that subscribe button and listen to both these shows. That's three shows a week we're giving you talking Lions football. Two with Grifsky, the Waffle Maker, and and at least one where I can just be solo or have on guests and, and do what I do, which is love talking football. So drink all that in. Enjoy it. We'll be back here on Friday right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out. Pack the bag. Start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.